When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you. You are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Now, as you know, longtime conspiracy realist, between our weekly episodes, we always like to bring you something a little extra, and this is one of our favorite parts of the week, you become the stars of the show. So if you have ever written to us, if you've spoken the right incantations into a reflective surface of your choice, or if, you know, you've given us a phone call, tune in. You might be on the show and we would love for you to be a part of it. I mean, your phone is a black mirror in and of itself. You know, it sure. is a weird, reflective, ritualistic surface. There we go. You kind of have to be the black mirror you want to see in the world. Uh, so we are going to have a fascinating, I think, conversation about uh, following up on an earlier conversation about gene editing, that three-parent baby thing really struck a chord with a lot of us. Uh, we are going to talk about, um, we don't want to sound like broken records with the AI stuff, but we are going to talk about a language learning model that is far different from what you have been reading about these days. I don't even want to say the name because I don't want to spoil it, but uh, shout out to you, Spectre. Thanks for hipping us to this one. Before we do any of that, we are immensely fortunate to hear from a longtime listener, friend of the show, friend of ours named Ziggy, who, I don't know about you, Matt, but this was the first time I really learned about this story, as in Ziggy wrote to us. I think maybe I had seen a headline, but it just, it gets chilling the deeper you go, right? For sure. Uh, this is this is a story that actually showed up on my, whatever the Apple News thing is. It just kind of gives you a quick headline or something. Mm -hmm. Saw this on, I think it was on Monday, but Ziggy wrote to us on Tuesday as we record this. Ziggy, you might remember from back in the day, she wrote to us about the Mothman. And we, we read one of her messages on the air before. I think that was you, Noel. Ziggy is back with some information. So... Here's what Ziggy wrote. Hey guys, this past weekend, an apartment complex in Davenport, Iowa partially collapsed. There's been a big uproar because even though search and rescue hasn't been totally complete, the building was set to demolish two days after the collapse. That seems unreasonably too soon. Don't inspectors go in to find the cause? Secure enough of the building that residents could have a chance or notice whether they can retrieve items? 
Also, there are still survivors being found. A big Facebook campaign has started to find pets as well. I believe the demolition for today, Tuesday, as Ziggy was writing to us, has been put on hold, but haven't heard a definitive. Do you guys know why a city would want to demolish an active site so quickly? The only thing I can think of is chemical exposure, built in 1909, maybe asbestos, maybe lead. I included a CNN link below, let me know what you think. As always, this email can be shared. Thank you for letting us know, Ziggy. You can call me Ziggy. And shout out to all the writers on Strike. Ayatsi is behind you. Union strong. Best, Zig. Nice. Okay. Matt, what's going on here? Well, uh, this is in a story that is still going on right now. Uh, there are still things happening there in Davenport, Iowa. We can give you just a little bit of the details and give you the latest reporting out of the local news. Um, specifically, I pulled up a Channel 6 NBC affiliate and their most recent reporting as of two hours before recording this episode. What happened was on Sunday, May 28th, an apartment complex, as Ziggy said, located there in Davenport, Iowa, specifically at 324 Main Street, partially collapsed. There's been a ton of reporting on it, real-time reporting, that again, that's why it's really developing right now, that shows images of the apartment. There were numerous people who actually uh, fell when the apartment complex partially collapsed, people who were found in the rubble. Uh, there were eight people that were recovered when I last was looking at this story, and as Ziggy stated, a woman was pulled from the wreckage, from, from the debris there, like literally hours before the city of Davenport had planned to demolish the entire building. And there are still a few people who are unaccounted for, at least as my best understanding as we're recording right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we're we're recording on May 31st, 2023. And Matt, I found the same stuff that you had said. Also found, to Zig's question, found something really interesting in the Quad Cities subreddit. I, I don't know if you saw this, but there's something cartoonishly suspicious with the inspection records. I think an inspection occurred just days before the disaster and trotting turtles over on uh, on the subreddit I mentioned seems to have pulled receipts showing that the city of Davenport altered the latest inspection record. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's some wonkiness going on. There's another article I want to cite here, uh, maybe let's cite this one, and then we'll go back to that local NBC news report. There's an insider article, Business Insider, you can find titled, quote, tenants who lived in an Iowa building predicted it would collapse before it did, source says. And in here, it goes over a lot of the stuff you're talking about there, Ben, where there were serious plumbing issues within the building that were known to tenants. There were ceiling collapses that had been occurring in the building. And uh, again, people who live there just were saying, this place needs some serious work or it's going down. Uh, you can read all about that if you want to. The official statement prior to today, the ones that I had read, were saying the reasoning behind demolishing the building ASAP was because they were nervous about dam possible damage to the surrounding area if this building, which they said was going to collapse imminently, did in fact collapse, which way it collapsed, and uh, how much damage that could occur. But one of the biggest things was a natural gas leak at the location of the collapse, like an active, mm. serious natural gas leak that was ongoing and continuing and inaccessible, which could be a reason for collapse, but it could also be a reason to not collapse the thing. Try and, I don't right. know, I turn it off some other way? I, I don't know. That just seems super dangerous to me. It would depend upon the the nature of the gas leak, right? Uh, the degree of the leak, where is it, you know, is it a matter of fixing just one pipe or something? It, it doesn't make Overall sense to collapse yeah. Yeah, an entire building for that. Uh, the idea of of controlling the damage, of essentially cauterizing the wound mm -hmm. to prevent more structural infection, which is a terrible analogy, um, that can make sense in certain in certain ways. Over the years, uh, in our House of Works days, uh, I remember traveling to watch uh, controlled demolitions here in the city of Atlanta, just because we thought they looked really cool and we wanted to film them. Well, that's so, what I was going to ask yeah. about. When you look at the front of this building and the part that's collapsed, I mean, 
I'm not trying to be too conspiratorial or like, you know, 9-11 was an inside job or anything, but like it looks the way buildings look when they're sort of collapsed on purpose. Mm, yeah, I, I don't I don't think that's what we're dealing with here. Just to, no, I, mean, I, I know yeah, I hear right. what you're saying. I, I'm just I just want to kind of quell that a little bit because it does appear that there was serious damage to this building or there was not damage to the building. There was <laughs> deterioration of the building. That caused right. it to collapse where it did. Got it. At the very least, it sounds like we can, um, Ziggy, we can share with you that it seems there's something very off with the code inspections. Mm-hmm. The city of Davenport approved this inspection initially, which was by a private party, a private uh, inspection outfit. And then after the building collapsed, the city went back and changed it from a past inspection Oof. to a failed inspection. And those are the, when I, when I say uh, this person on Reddit pulled the receipts, they have what appear to be screenshots of, of the change, of the before and after. And Matt, it sounds like you and I found a lot of similar um, things here, but we haven't found anything that appears to directly answer the question, Ziggy's excellent question, about the timing here, right? And and the idea of if they go through the demolition and they haven't searched for survivors or if they go through with the demolition, there are survivors in there. I think right now there are two suspected people surviving. I'll give you just some of the official reporting at NBC. They're saying uh, yesterday, a Tuesday afternoon search of the apartment building didn't find any signs of human activity. That's what they're stating. Uh, But again, they did find somebody in there like right before they were going to blow the thing up. Uh, According to the Humane Society of Scott County, this is good news. Crews were able to rescue six cats, two snakes, and one lizard. So that's nice. Yeah. You know, assuming they're all uh, not evil animals, right? (laughs) (laughs) Two evil cats. (laughs) I have this Lex Luthor iguana in my head now. Um we're obviously not making light of this and we have many more questions to answer here. I I think we could ask for some help from our fellow conspiracy realist in Iowa. I will say with a huge, huge caveat that one of the more conspiratorial things I read goes back to the ownership of these companies. Yeah. According to that NBC report, Andrew Wold, who owns the building, was, quote, cited Tuesday for not maintaining the building in a safe and sanitary condition. So there's a citation, I guess. That's so weird to think that you could allow the apartment complex that you own that has a ton of families in it. You you just get cited if you allowed it to collapse. That's nuts. So here's another thing I read. uh, It's just tripping my spidey sense. And I want to hear what you guys think. So this comes to us from Twitter. Someone says, like you point out, Matt, the apartment building is owned by Andrew Wold Investments. The registered agent for this is a guy named Robert H. Gallagher. Gallagher is an attorney at a law firm called GMG, and he is the father of Robert S. Gallagher, the mayor of Bettendorf. For anybody outside of Iowa, that might sound confusing. You're saying, oh, you're talking about a a disaster in Davenport. Why are you bringing this Bettendorf place into the mix? Bettendorf is so close to Davenport, from what we understand, that it's a a conurbation. So because of those connections, which are kind of like tenuous threads, people are alleging, or at the very least heavily implying, possible corruption. Again, nothing proven. Nothing proven, but people have started to, you know, put the red strings around the pushpins here. Would it be like we need to demolish the building as soon as possible to reduce? I, I don't know to reduce Pre- the, reduce possible evidence of liability, or maybe? to produce, excuse me, to erase the access to some kind of evidence that would prove yeah. willful negligence or something that could result in very expensive settlements, something well, yeah, like that. Because I, I had read early on that the property management company and or the owner, this Andrew Rold character, would would possibly be charged with involuntary manslaughter or something to that effect if there are, in fact, deceased people within the debris, within the rubble. Um, and right. that's why the unaccounted for people are, were so important. 
I don't know. It feels like either way you're going to get in big trouble because the building you own collapsed and potentially people died. So, uh, right. I don't know. And of course the most important part there is the, um, the safety of the people involved who are innocent. I'm so glad that Ziggy brought this to us. It's one of those stories that could easily just fade into the background. It does feel like there's something wonky. I agree with you. I I just don't know what it could be. You know what I mean? We have to be very careful because we don't have any, currently we don't have any solid proof that would allow us to authoritatively declare a conspiracy afoot. Correct. Well, with that, we will keep our eyes on this. You keep your ears out and we will see you after the break. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we have returned. We're going to hear a pretty fascinating thing from our pal, Spectre. Spectre says the following, Ben, Matt, and Noel, I recently heard some news about Darkbert, not Dilbert, Darkbert, a chat GPT type AI or LLM that is using information from the dark web. I have linked the video down below. I would love to hear a conversation about this on the air. You have my permission to use this email. My code name is Spectre. Kudos and thank yous to you, Spectre, for letting us use the email, telling us we can, and giving yourself a cool nickname. Spectre says, thanks, and keep up the podcast. So this was pretty interesting. This comes from some very, very smart boffin types over in South Korea. We want to shout out these researchers. Yong Jin Jin, Eugene Jang, Jian Chi, uh, CUI, Jin Wu Chung, Yong Jae Lee, Sung Won Shin, like a lot of people, a lot of real heavy hitters are working on this thing. And they are based out of the Korea Advanced Institute of Science and Technology. Here's what they say about Dark Bert. 
Quote, this AI model ventured into the depths of the dark web, an anonymous and concealed part of the internet, to index and gather information from its shadiest domains. A lot, I think before we get too far into this, we should talk a little bit about the dark web. We did some episodes on it in the nights of yore. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's funny because I, I think a lot of us who are not the hat-wearing type, whether white hat or black hat, the type of folks who don't hang out at DEF CON every year. Bucket uh, hat? Bucket hat as well. Why not? I like it. Yeah, sure, uh, sure, sure. The non-hacker, non-initiated community, uh, because of the way the darknet is described in fear-mongering media and because of the way it's depicted in fiction, it seems automatically always associated with just abominable crimes, right? Yeah, it's, it's just an encrypted version of the internet, basically, right? Or, mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I mean, any part of the internet can be encrypted, I imagine, but the idea is that it's sort of a sub-internet that can just, you have to have a certain type of browser to access it. Yeah, right, it's actually it much l- less secure, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's that. Oh. <laughs> there's, it depends. It depends. One person's security is another person's opportunity, really. Uh, it, it all depends on how much you trust the people who build the locks. <laughs> and this uh, is a really disturbing thought. Uh, and I'm sorry that I put it on us, but it is true. So, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. To access these kind of things, you'll typically see somebody using a a Tor browser, right? Uh, The Onion router, which is also not as secure as some people want you to think. Just being completely honest, check out our episode on that. Uh, The dark web is, like we said, it's concealed. It's not something that you would accidentally find, probably. The steps you have to take are, are pretty intentional and it has illicit marketplaces this was the home of the infamous silk road before that was shut down uh this is where you will see people selling batches of personal info ssns credit card numbers etc um this is where you will see all kinds of sketchy people in various digital chat rooms uh be aware if you, for instance, are trying trying to do something like buy psychoactive or designer drugs or illegal substances that are illegal in your neck of the woods, be aware that the authorities are already all over this thing. And there are countless cases of people trying to do stuff like hire a hitman, which is it's a dumb way to try to hire a hitman, just to be completely honest. And no, no, get, no, no, no. Hire all your hitmen on the dark web and make sure you click on the links that have a picture of a guy with a gun who looks mm-hmm. real surly. Make with sure around glasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always pick that Mirror link shades. when you're hiring mm-hmm. hitmen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because, you know, the days of putting your classified ad in Soldier of Fortune are long gone, unfortunately. Uh, unfortunately. Oh, my God. Whatever. So, so Dark Bert is built on something called the Roberta architecture. And what they found was that they could use variations of the large language model approach to combat cybercrime. They're they're thinking, we can teach this thing in a way that is very close to fighting fire with fire. I want to give a shout out to Guru writing over on Cybersecurity News, who who has a great kind of primer on Darkbert. And Darkbert first hit academia with a paper written by these researchers called Darkbert, Illuminating the Language Model's Exploration of the Dark Web. And so they integrated their souped-up AI, or LLM, with the Tor network and made a comprehensive database out of it. And so what they're, they're arguing, that they're not building an evil chat GPT, right? They're not building a chat GPT that says... I don't know. Here's what I was thinking of. You know how ChatGPT right now, outside of a few very interesting loopholes, will not uh, knowingly aid you or advise you in in the commission of crimes. Mm -hmm. Can't help you with that, Dave. Right, right, exactly. And the initial thought I had was, is this the Sith Lord ChatGPT? 
Is this the one that's going, I can only help you with crimes? Well, Ben, I mean, if we're basing it on the graphics in this uh, YouTube video that you linked to, uh, it sure looks like it. Uh, what's that character in the Marvel Universe? Uh, Thor. The robot guy. Ultron. No, no well, the one that was before Ultron. Vision? Vision. Yeah, it's like an evil, dark version of Vision, like in, in these videos. Mm. It's like all this, like I guess it's probably like, you know, stock footage, AI, CG kind of stuff. But it's in this video, dark web AI going to take over the world, question mark, dark bird and its impact on the world. All of the graphics are just like Terminator level creepy robot guys. Yeah, this idea, this Skynet idea, which we've been talking about pretty frequently in our off-air, uh, in our off-air group chats and stuff. Uh, this is closer and closer to reality. Dark Bert is created to be a new security tool. That's what they're saying. They're saying we're sending, we're sending this poor guy out there into the fire and the darkness to fight these things. Right to be one of the one of the creatures that holds the door fast and closed. I don't know. I do like the idea of an evil Chat GPT. I do like the idea of a ridiculously evil Chat GPT based on the current capabilities. Like I love the idea of saying, "Hey, Chat GPT, can you uh, help me with this long division, uh, <laughs> this long division question?" And then having the thing respond and go. Actually, I'm Dark Bert, and I can only help you with long division if it's part of a crime. Yes, if it, only, <laughs> if it involves murder, most foul. Yes. Well, what if it's just super sarcastic, like crazy sarcastic, and tells you how I to mean, do things wrong on purpose? Is that not evil in and of itself, though, Matt? You know, that's its own flavor of evil. Just so. Mm. Okay, so this is very strange because I'm looking at this high level stuff. None of us including Codename Talk, so far as we know, are black hat hackers. And we're not, the, we're not the people working for the puzzle palace or anything like that, thank goodness, because uh, their life is difficult. We are very interested in this because it inevitably trickles down and affects the public. So Dark Bert is going to be able to, like, if everything goes as planned, it's going to be able to proactively identify and flag sites for ransomware leaks, uh, sites for possible developing threats, you know, domestic, foreign, you name it, threats in general. And if you read the paper, they are thankfully spending some time on the ethical considerations as well and limitations. Their ethical considerations are how do we treat sensitive information? How do we mask that, right? We don't want, if we're trying to save hundreds of thousands of people from getting their credit cards stolen. We don't want to accidentally just hand that information to someone else, right? How do we control for these necessary ethical boundaries? And they also say, look, we have limited usage for non-English tasks because the dark web is not all in English. It's kind of Anglo-centric for us to assume that. Uh, and then like any other LLM, it depends on the data that it gathers, right? The data that it is able to compile and study. So I, I want to ask you guys, do you think this is a good move? It's interesting because, I mean, based on what we were talking about at the top of, uh, of this segment, is the dark web still actively being used for these nefarious things yes. given how accessible it is to yes. law enforcement? But yes. why? Uh, that's my I mean, I know this is a separate question, but like you mentioned, Matt, like, go ahead, do it. I know you were being tongue in cheek because you're like, because then you'll get caught. But like, why are people still thinking this is like a safe space to conduct these kinds of illicit off the books operations? Well, often it's crews that go in and just purchase already hacked materials. Right. Mm. So they have a surreptitious way to pay for information that's logged Likely there. with some sort of cryptocurrency still or as probably. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but someone would find a way that is much less traceable to pay for just the materials, literally for files that just have, you know, in names and account numbers and birthdays and such. And I think you guys know, I believe some of the best ways to really understand things are through metaphor and simile. So to attempt an answer to that question, Noel, which is a great question, in simile form, I would say we should imagine it as a numbers game. The criminals, right, or people attempting to commit crimes, uh, picture them like a herd of antelope. 
and picture law enforcement like an apex predator. The apex predator is always outnumbered by the nature of its ecosystem, Mm. and it cannot get every member of the herd. So people are playing the odds and hoping that someone will be a little less buttoned up than they are. And often they're correct, unless they have done something that caught the attention of that lion out there in the savanna or what have you. I don't know how much scene painting we want to do here. It's very Lion King. I love it. It's very it's Lion very, King. Very visual. Right. Uh, you did a great job. Ben. Thank, Thank you, you, man. Thank you. This comparison is maybe at least a little bit useful because something like Dark Bert or um, a successor of Dark Bert could be an Dog Bert, perhaps. Uh, yeah, it could be an automation of the lions. It could be an automation of the predators. And all of a sudden, you know, what if you join your your herd underground and you find out that there's not one lion anymore. There is a lion bot for each one of you. And then as it grows more sophisticated, it already knows your patterns. It knows where you're going to run. It knows when you're going to turn. All of a sudden, the equations become much more complicated. Well, you're selling me on this thing pretty good right now, Ben. It it does kind of sound like a good idea. what's What's the downside? just want to say it sounds like Voltron to me. (laughs) <laughs> Underground lions? Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Those no, s- truly. I mean, if what you're saying stuff. is true, and there's all this bad stuff going on in the dark web, and this dark Bert thing is is becoming the the lion that, like, tracks the, the bad actors. You know, I mean, not that gazelles are inherently bad actors, but for the purposes of the simile. <laughs> terrible. Um, They're it's, terrible. It's, it's good, right? <laughs> so why, how, how and why is it also bad? Yeah, it's a great question because it's – So we're describing the good case, the positive case, the aim of the creators. But we have to remember that a lot of the people who made huge breakthroughs in physics that were very positive for the world, their ideas led directly to the creation of nuclear weapons. A lot of people that created AI are now coming forth and saying, I wish I hadn't done that thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, and I want to shout out. I think it was our pal Rebel Devil sent me this this great meme. I'll have to, to send you guys, but it's. Like, how are those, how are those folks with those regrets? How are they not like Tim Robinson dressed as a hot dog and that I think you should leave sketch? Mm-hmm. We have to figure out who could have done this. <laughs> no, but that's the beauty of it, man. And I'm I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the guy's name. There's one dude in particular who like worked for Google and uh was really responsible for a lot of the technology that led to this like like language learning stuff. And now he is openly saying. I've done a bad thing. Oh, Hinton, right? You're talking yeah, about. I think, I think yeah, that's right. I John, think that's uh, right. Jeffrey Hinton. He won the like, right. Nobel Prize of Computing. And yeah. now he's coming out and saying, what I've done is now being repurposed and used in ways that I do not approve of. But that's the problem with just like nuclear technology or all of this stuff. Once it's out there, it's not up to you anymore. You know, it's the same as the idea of the artist's intent is irrelevant. Once the art is out in the world, then it's up for interpretation by whomever gets their hands on it, you know? Mm -hmm. And with art, it's a lot less nefarious and doesn't usually lead to world annihilating consequences. But in this case, it can. Well, technology, uh, again, technology has no morals nor ethical quandaries of its own. You know, fire can burn as easily as it cooks, and it doesn't know the difference between what it's burning. That's right. So, so you could argue that this kind of technology is at the same crossroads, at the same precipice. The bad side of this, or the negative, is simply put, the human species does not entirely know what it's doing. With this. You think? Yeah, I think. It's, <laughs> I mean, in general, writ I mean, large. Yeah, humanity's yeah, always yeah. been kind of a hold my beer crew, right? Yeah. Over the past. Let's just give this a try. Let's throw the spaghetti at the wall. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Oh, guys, this mushroom didn't kill me. Oh right. crap! I'll mm. try it. You know. Well, and I don't know if anybody saw the news about Nvidia that's been happening this past Ooh. week and weekend, but uh, <laughs> they basically said, "Hold my beer." Well, we got this. We're going to be the guys. You know, we've we're we're ready to be first to market with this, or at the very least, we're going to pivot in a very public way. And Matt, we talked about this on the group text, like the stock price went up in a big way, right? Yeah, because they developed the platforms that future emerging AI companies and commerce are going to need. So there's you know what else NVIDIA has done? These uh, these processor cards that are meant for video for gaming and 
you know, displays, they're always the thing that are used for like crypto mining. Mm -hmm. They've always been this thing that's been sort of repurposed and used in these other ways. This is almost an example of them just owning that and being like, you know what? We're going to just be that thing now. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think it's very interesting. If villain you want, then villain I shall be. Right. Mm -hmm. But the, uh, the, the thing we do have to add here is that Jeffrey Hinton had this wonderful interview with the New York Times a while back, and he said something that stuck out with me. This was in March, I think, of this year. He said, I console myself with a normal excuse. If I hadn't done it, somebody else would have. It's hard to see how you can prevent the bad actors from using it for bad things. So to be clear, I think the research that the Dark Burt folks have, have created, the stuff they've done, is necessary, is vital, and, and must be done. So I can't say enough good about them. But what I can say, and I think we can all agree, is that because this is technology, someone else can take control of it mm -hmm. and do something else with it. And we always have to be vigilant about that concern. With that in mind, uh, we're going to pause for a word from our sponsor. And we hope you have a good break while you're on the break. Uh, just think about it and let us know what's, um, what's the best way to hire, hire someone. These days, you know, smoke dark signal. web doesn't work. Yeah. yeah. Soldier smoke of fortune, signal. smoke signal, maybe. Yeah. Well, let us know. We'll be back. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand. Tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back with one more piece of listener mail from you. Uh, this one is from you, Brian, uh, and it concerns the idea of gene editing. Um, and I'm just going to read the email because it's pretty good. Hello, I have been binge listening to your shows for the past year. This is my first time writing in, though. I was listening to the discussion about gene editing, the mitochondrial DNA, and it got me thinking. It could cause a rift in the healthcare industry between health insurance companies and big pharma. 
Health insurance companies will probably be more inclined to pay for the gene editing because it would save them money for costly treatments later in life. However, Big Pharma would not want this to be cost effective because it could eliminate conditions that they make money on and therefore lower their profits. They would want the population to have these conditions or health defects so that their profit margins wouldn't dip. Also, it got me thinking that this could basically stop evolution for the human race. Oh, we talk about this all the time. Or potentially create a new race if you started to include DNA from animals to take on specific traits. It got me thinking of a Doctor Who episode entitled The Lazarus Effect. I think it might actually be The Lazarus Project. I I Googled it. Um, This was just a random thought I had while listening to you guys. Love the show. Keep up the fantastic work, Ryan. I love that you had this random thought while listening to us because this is going to get us going for at least 15 minutes, which is how long this segment's supposed to be. (laughs) <laughs> uh, it is it is great it's it's something uh that ryan you should hang out and grab a drink with us next time this is we're, good we're stuff. In the same town this is this is the kind of stuff that we inevitably end up talking about and it's because i think these are these are deep common continuing conversations they're they're far older than us and they're going to continue uh, long after we're gone in some form you may be interested in reading more about something called synthetic morphology. Synthetic morphology is this kind of emergent field that's bending the boundaries between what we could call natural and artificial or perhaps manicured life. It asks how and how far we can alter the shapes and compositions of living matter. To your idea of, you know, like, uh, remember back in the P.T. Barnum days, the Fiji mermaids, the fake taxidermy stuff? Synthetic morphology is kind of possibly a real-life version of that, but nowhere near as grotesque. Morphogenesis is just the development of a biological form, an organism. And the, the question is, how can we engineer living tissue to be more useful? In, in this regard. It also, we talked about vision and, it, you know, mm-hmm. and thank you, Ben, for helping me come to that name um, of the Marvel universe who has a uh, speech he makes. And I believe it is WandaVision or maybe it's one of the movies. I think it's WandaVision though, where he talks about the ship of thesis, the idea of like, at what point when a thing, every part of it has been replaced, is it still the original thing? So we're, we're talking about uh, defying evolution through gene editing. So if like, if we have gotten to a point on a long enough timeline that all of us have been gene edited, like, are we still human? Mm-hmm. You know, that's the question I think this begs. But it's not the question really even that uh, Ryan proposed. We're talking here about something very practical or impractical, depending on your opinion, about health insurance uh, and mm-hmm. big pharma. Mm-hmm. The idea that health insurance companies would be all about this and that they would pay for it because long term it would save them money because people wouldn't be getting cancer anymore. People wouldn't be getting certain conditions that they would have to pay for. Um, And Big Pharma, who, you know, are spending lots of money in R&D developing things like cancer drugs, certain uh, pharmaceutical products that treat very uh, intensely debilitating conditions that uh, are afflicting the human race, they would not be about this. Um, And I would argue, and I think we talked about this a little off air, that there is currently kind of a bit of a cozy relationship between health care, health insurance, and big pharma. Conflict uh, it's of not, interest, for sure. It's not one they want to talk about, but it feels mm-hmm. like it exists. Mm-hmm. I don't know what y'all think, but it mm-hmm. seems that way to me. Uh, there's a balance. that is, is, you know, the, the, There's a balance in the force, and they don't want it to kind of skew too far one way or the other because that would screw one or both of their business models. So this, in theory, could be an interesting shakeup of that relationship. Yeah, I, but, but isn't there, isn't there, uh, sorry, I, I'm, maybe I'm going back a couple of thoughts there, Noel, but I think my thinking has changed a little bit when it comes to this. And you guys tell me if I'm just bonkers, but it does feel like some of these huge pharma groups would want to be the one that cures pancreatic cancer. Because if you, you know, think about the story that that becomes, right? Oh, and, oh, we're the outfit that cured Part of the pancreatic of that cancer. Yeah, yeah. Now we're developing, you know, cures for all these other types of cancer. And it just becomes like, I, I don't know. It's, it's a hell of a byline, you know, brought it, to right? you by 
the yeah the people who saved well, your life from pancreatic but would cancer. gene editing be helmed by big pharma is the question ultimately if it kind could of be, yes if it could right? be commodified they would get their fingers in the pie and that's not even that's not even necessarily villainous those conflicts of interest between privatized healthcare and big pharma they exist because that synergy uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that synergy uh, equates to profits that are far yeah. greater than they could make individually in either one of those business areas. So, of course, if they can buy it, they will get into it. Uh, if they don't, then they're going to be the equivalent of people who turned down DVDs and said, nope, we're a VHS company. Yeah. yeah. That's or what we're God forbid do. laser disc. But when we're talking about these types of stories, the gene mm-hmm. editing, mm-hmm. this is research that's taking place independent of big pharma. Big pharma is not currently like helming this research. It's research that's happening in the academic space, right? Yeah, but they fund it. Well, but that's my question, though. Yeah. I, I, in these stories, I haven't necessarily seen a, a, a name in Big Pharma associated with the, the the news that's coming out. And you would think if Big Pharma actually had a handle on it, we wouldn't hear about it until they were ready to roll it out and sell it to us. Hmm. I mean, also, to Matt's point, we've often wrestled with the conspiracy theory that the accusation or the allegation that there is a some cache of secret miracle drugs and that companies we know that's not true companies like Pfizer or whatever said yes we have the cure to cancer or to MS or something we're but holding it back we're yeah. holding it back because we need to figure out how to make it a lifelong treatment how to make it a service instead of a cure it doesn't seem that that's it doesn't seem that that's necessarily true and we're not accusing these folks at the top of being amazing paragons of ethics we're saying it seems like they would make so much money by releasing it yeah. that the money would move. The money will always move. Well, and, and that's I, that's the size of it, man. I'm just saying, like, the, no, the, no, the opposite you're, you're is true. Right. Like, if they had a cure to the pancreatic cancer thing, they had a cure and they knew it worked, they would be so, so gassed, so stoked to get it out that they would ignore dangerous side effects. For sure. Right? Oh, oh, God, they're ignoring dangerous. I mean, there are these like weight loss drugs that are now being like, you know, oh, yeah. there's several, like like it's a shot and like a, a Zempic, I think is one, and there's several. Yeah. And they're obviously, this is a new space where these big pharma companies are competing. Like one is by Novo Nordisk, one is by one of the other big four or five or however many, they're not that many. And they're actually, certain of them are being prescribed, quote unquote, off label, meaning that that's not what it's actually for but if we prescribe it off label it can do wonders but it's not actually fda approved yet but if i know how to talk to my doctor i can get him to prescribe it to me and i can also get him to just to convince my insurance company to pay for it so that that is a modern example of what mm-hmm. this is inevitably going to maybe become quite possibly um, you see I this think, botulism but- no it'll it'll make your face all tight oh my god <laughs> such a tight face that's what i've always wanted uh, but my or question like the discovery of viagra whatever <laughs> my question for y'all though is is to to your whole point about even like the conspiracy theory about big pharma holding back these cures and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. If that were the case, we wouldn't be hearing about this unless it was in a big pharma press release. Right. The fact that we're hearing about it, that it is research that exists, means big pharma doesn't have their arms around this one yet. And they don't control it. They could buy it up. We know that they pay for a lot of that research. Obviously, that's true. And they're paying for research from like every corner of, of, of the scientific community, I'm sure. But they don't have this on lock, Not I would yet. argue. Not I would yet. argue because yeah. of the way we're hearing about it. Otherwise, they would have been done a big rollout. and had a, You know what I mean? Like maybe mm. I'm It's still a little Wild West. No, I, I think you're correct because it's kind of like in the early days of podcasting, right? Just a, a mic uh, some relatively affordable equipment and, and, and some hot takes, uh, some hot takes, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully a vision or a mission of some sort that you believe in. Uh, but but the, <laughs> I know I said, hopefully, but the thing is um, big pharma has started to buy in more and more. I think uh, just this year there was a, uh, an accounting of how much money, what we would call big pharma has put into this particular genre of biotech. And in 2021 alone, that number topped to $22.7 billion. Jesus. Ooh. 
Of course, it, of course it has. Oh, 2021, excuse me. That's insane. So it's $22.7 billion. So they know what's on the way. They are buying in. I think the question we had asked when we were talking about this earlier, too, is maybe the most dangerous one. What happens when these changes, these mods are heritable, right? What happens when... What happens when you are born being able to see into the ultraviolet spectrum and you know you will never have cancer because your great-grandfather was super rich back in the day? It changes the whole model, and I think specifically for the health insurance companies. So to, to Ryan's point, I think Big Pharma is in a much better position. Health insurance companies, they don't make cures they don't make you know biotech they just pay for your maladies and charge you a premium accordingly and if the whole spectrum changes if the whole landscape of like what it means to be human changes that could it's the way we talk about like if if self-driving cars actually became you know like a real going concern mm-hmm. it would change the industry of DUI lawyers it would change the industry of uh you know all of these like DUI courts and various things that you have to pay for when you do that um it would be a sea change yeah and we haven't seen that yet happen with anything we're sort of seeing it with AI in terms of what we talked about in the episode about uh, the way it's being used for potentially debt collection and all of the new things that it's going to be used that's going to replace jobs, that's a sea change. It makes a pre-existing system irrelevant overnight. Mm -hmm. Just boom, it's gone. Like, that's what this could do if it really became accessible. And, you know, I'm going to be completely honest. This is just my opinion, so it's not a fact. It's not representative of the show I do think privatized healthcare as it stands now is an industry that should die because essentially it's a casino. What they're doing is you're, you're being forced to gamble with an institution far more powerful than you. And the idea is that if you quote unquote win, then they will help combat these egregiously overpriced medical requirements, medical fees that they themselves created. Before you enter the casino. And so, and if you lose, then that's just another thing where they say, sorry, you are sentenced to death for the crime of being poor. Well, we get to keep your money. We get to keep the money that you've paid into this system for however many years up until the moment you actually needed it. And again, it's not a criticism of, of the people. Private healthcare is like one of the top two employers in the United States, it is huge. And removing that industry, to your point, Noel, could have catastrophic economic consequences. We're not attack. We're not. I'm not attacking the people at all. I'm no. saying the system is dangerous. Yeah. The and adjusters, it needs to be the, the, the folks that that you have to make a claim to. But again, those like to our point that I just mentioned about ChatGPT replacing uh, debt collectors. Those people are operating off of a script. Those people are basically human robots operating at the behest of a much larger organization that they have no say over what the policies are. Their job is just to kind of repeat the company line, like follow their guidelines that they're given, their guardrails, just the same way is that a chatbot would and again i'm not dissing the people mm. this is an entry-level job this is a medium level job depending on where you exist within the structure of the company but mm-hmm. did oof, you guys hear Matt. about the sackler family's immunity yeah yeah which we totally predicted and it wasn't a tough prediction it was like saying oh the month after june is 90 percent gonna be july unless something crazy happens Essentially, they made a Uncle Sam made a Faustian bargain with them, right? They made a devil's deal and they said, provide us an enormous amount, a cartoonish amount of money for these settlements, uh, and you won't have to face consequences yeah. for your actions. They, they pay six billion now, the Sackler family, because they own Purdue Pharma, which, uh, you know, Oxycontin. There's a whole, you right. read about it. It's must, it's messed yeah, up. To, yeah. to be clear, this was not a deal that was given to most opium dealers. Oh, never. No, those people are just thrown in prison, you know, I mean, or murdered. Um, and the Sacklers still have more than enough financial firepower to totally black bag us. Well, not not, not to spoil uh, succession, but a big part of that television program that I think we all enjoy is that 
for people at that echelon, there is really no losing. Even if you lose philosophically, like you, you don't get to be the big boss anymore or get to keep purveying the vision of your forefathers, you're still fine forever and all time. You're good. Like to the tune of billions, mm-hmm. you're good. And, and, and there's no consequences. Even these fines, as, as exorbitant as they might seem on paper to people like us, to them, it's nothing. They're just sad they can't keep doing it. They just wish they could keep doing what they were doing before. And that's the biggest punishment for them is that they can't. Yeah, you're right. Maybe I'm being fair because, you know, in the interest of transparency, I haven't, I haven't met these people personally. It doesn't know. matter. Doesn't I mean, matter. it's just we can see the actions, right? We can see the exactly. ramifications. But the... Uh, Again, Ryan, as you said, this is something that is a source of endless fascination for us. Do check out Synthetic Morphology. Scientific American, great article that came out just earlier this month by Philip Ball. Synthetic Morphology lets scientists create new life forms. I can't wait. What would you get? What would you guys get? Healthcare and, and big pharma aside, like if you if you were able to customize your body right now and you could get a X-ray couple, vision. couple superpowers, X-ray vision. X-ray vision. Okay. Gills. Gills, water really? world style. You're a Gills guy. I'm a Gills boy. <laughs> he knows about the water wars coming up. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. King of the orcas, huh? Matt that's right. That's right. Can oh, I we him? should talk about this. Uh, you heard about the orcas that yes. are just like they've taught themselves to attack ships. I love yeah. that. Yeah. The beluga the whale. That's for next yeah. time. The yeah. beluga whale that was clearly a spy uh, from we're Russia. hanging out oh. with humans. The beluga whale just showed up at the, at the wrong classroom, <laughs> rocking a Jan Sport. Uh, yeah, basically. <laughs> Hypercolor parachute pants. No, yeah. I have to. I have to make a confession. When you said you were, you had a message from Ryan for today's episode. I thought you were talking about a different Ryan that wrote in to us. Okay, uh, calling himself Nobby Hood. And well, I would have called him that if that was the <laughs> Ryan that I was uh, referring to. Well, the email starts. <laughs> Fellas, hate you guys. Terrible podcast. I love that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you guys suck. And then I he goes on to that. say, yeah, but then at the end, he's like, um, what is he, Australian? Is yeah, that mainly yeah. full of shit? Well, no, I saw that too. He's, he's lived in, yeah. um, oh, we don't want to give specifics. Yeah, he's yeah, lived yeah. in Australia for like 15 years. No, I saw that too. And I was really mad until I scanned the rest of the email and then realized how long it was. And that it wasn't full of just scathing, you know, condem- uh, condemnations of us as human beings. I yeah, love it was that. very that, nice. Like that opener, uh, that that definitely hooked me too, because I, I think that's a cool way. That's, that's like a very, that's kind of how we talk to each other sometimes, you know yeah. what I mean? So, um, gosh, that was great to bring that up. And, and you know what? Thanks to all the Ryans here you know thanks oh, absolutely thanks to everybody who takes the time to write in we are you know we've obviously got some uh punchy energy here i have <laughs> i'm probably one of the worst because i i'm i've been running my clock kind of long uh i might have to call it an evening but we have so much cool stuff on the way and you are the most important part of it uh right in let us know your responses let us know what episodes we should do in the future uh we can't wait for you to be a part of the show with us uh what, yeah. what's what's a spoiler is there an episode we can tease that we have coming up we talked about oh people are gonna have opinions about tipping and then oh oh and a certain cryptid in ohio Oh, the f- don't even get me started on that one. But in the meantime, you can write to us. We are Conspiracy Stuff on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Conspiracy Stuff Show on Instagram and TikTok. We have a phone number. one stdwytk Call the number. You've got three minutes. It's a voicemail. Give yourself a cool nickname. We don't care what it is. We just hope it's not on your driver's license if you have a driver's license. Do tell us if we can use your name and message on the air in one of these listener mail episodes. If you've got more to say, they could fit in that three minutes. Instead, send us an email. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought 
in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 